0: Thank you for joining us today for the Gospel Light Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Lennentine. We are a Bible-believing, Christ-honoring, gospel-centered church family located in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. We are motivated to love God, grow together, and serve others. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us at gospellightbaptist.org. Now we hope you enjoy today's message from Pastor Brent Lennontine.
1: So in Exodus chapter number eight, just one single verse, but there's actually going to be quite a few verses, and hopefully this uh, message will be a help and a blessing for each one of us. Um, It's something that's been a blessing to me over the years, and so uh, let's look at this if we would uh, in Exodus in chapter number eight. And then in verse number one, just simply to get us started, it says, The Lord spake unto Moses, go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, let my people go, that they may serve me. Let my people go, that they may serve me. If you have the bulletin there, you'll see that the title of the message now this morning is called specifically, A Call to Compromise. A Call to Compromise. Here's one thing that you would know, and that I would know, is that if, there were a call to compromise, and if we were to hear that at all, we would know this, that it was not from God. Amen? That God is not the one who would call us to compromise. Now, as we look at the Old Testament, and we're going to mainly be just in the book of Exodus, uh, and this these verses, like I said, have been a great blessing to me. Some of us, though, and have somewhat of a trouble, a little bit of a struggle with the Bible, and we can read and understand some things in the New Testament, but for some of us, the Old Testament really is just a, a great mystery to us. It's Uh, ...a book from very, very long ago, and it's one that we don't understand all of that well. Yet what I want to say to you is that God uh, has given to us amazing truths all the way through his word. The New Testament, of course, tells us about the life and then the work of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, there are many verses, Messianic prophecies... ...that point forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. But in addition to that, there are so many stories and accounts in the Old Testament that are written specifically to be a great example and a great testimony for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 11, you can write down some of these references. It says, now all these things happened unto them for an example. Now it's talking again about the accounts of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. And so God tells us then that all these things happened to them, and then they were recorded to be an example unto us. They are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world come. So there are, in the Old Testament, specifically instructions, there's encouragements, and there's also warnings for us to heed. And I think that that's certainly the case in this passage that we're going to look at. Now, you may know this story or not, but God has called out a a certain people to himself, Abraham, and then out from that comes then the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel was small at this time, and they were there in the land that God had promised them. Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery, and Joseph was down in Egypt. Now, God did a miraculous work and raised up Joseph. And now Joseph is the right-hand man for Pharaoh, who is the most powerful man, not only in Egypt, but also in all of the known world at that time. And so because of Joseph, and more specifically, because of a great famine that was in the land... Jacob and all of the family, all the nation of Israel, uh, all wound up in Egypt. After Pharaoh passed, after Joseph passed, uh, the children of Israel were multiplying uh, at a very fast rate. They were multiplying in a rate that surpassed the Egyptians. And soon, after many, many years, the population of Israel uh, was exceeding the population of Egypt. They got concerned about that. And so they put them into hard bondage. They had them to make bricks, and then they had them to build many, many different cities for them. And so they put them in this hard bondage. Now, there are in the Bible, just laying down a foundation here, there are in the Bible uh, pictures and types. Those pictures and types help us a lot. Because when you hear a story from the Bible, uh, we understand some spiritual truths, or we gain some spiritual truths from it, based on some types, typology that we see in the Bible. Now... Here's two types, which I think are kind of clear, and I think they're reinforced in Scripture. That is that Egypt is a picture of the world, okay? So Egypt is a picture of the unsaved. Egypt is a picture of the world. uh, And it is in contrast, then, to uh, God's people, the nation of Israel, and those who are living for God. And the contrast to that is Egypt, again, a picture of all of the unsaved. In addition to that, then Pharaoh, as the king over Egypt, the world, would be a picture then ultimately of the devil who is the prince in the power of the air. He is uh, the one then who uh, is the God of all of those who are unsaved. And the devil, of course, works very, very actively in this sin-cursed world that we live in now at this time. And so we see then that Pharaoh would be a picture, if you would, of the devil. And then that Egypt would be a picture of the world and the unsaved world. Now... God then takes, and just lay this foundation down, not nearly quick enough, but God then takes Moses and his brother Aaron and says, I want you to go into Pharaoh, and you have a really clear message, a real simple message. If You're there in chapter 8, and we'll be right there, but look back, if you would, in chapter number 5. This is the first time this happens. This is the first time that Moses and Aaron go in before Pharaoh. Now, I, I could say so much more about this, but imagine if you would for a moment that that Moses and Aaron goes in before the most powerful man on planet Earth. And they go in, not with a gift and not with a humble request, but they go into the most powerful man in the world to make an ultimatum. (laughs) Amen? It's a good thing the ultimatum was from God and not from them. Amen? So they go into Pharaoh with an ultimatum, okay? And this commandment from God that was given to Pharaoh was, let my people go. This is kind of a big deal because Egypt had a massive, massive free labor force, amen? I mean, this is great. Like every construction project they ever wanted done, they didn't have to pay anything for it at all, The Israelites just simply built it for them. They made the brick. They built it. They braced it all up. They did all of that work. And so what happens here is, is that Moses goes in and looks in the face of Pharaoh and says, God says, let my people go now. Right? So now we get to kind of understand it. And so you'd be a little bit squeamish if God told you to go into the most powerful person in the world. And no doubt Moses and Aaron had some of those. Uh, ...intrepidations, but God encouraged them with some miracles and with some miraculous works. So Exodus chapter 5 and verse number 1, it says, "...and afterward, after God encouraged them and God showed them some things... ...they spoke to the elders of Israel, and afterwards Moses and Aaron went in... ...and they told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go... ...that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord?" that I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us, let us go. We pray thee three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice uh, unto our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence and with his sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get you unto your burdens. Now, it actually got worse before it got better because Pharaoh got mad and he said the people are idle, and so he actually gave them more work to do on top of all it was that they were doing already. Now, I believe in this that there is a call to compromise. You go forward through the next few chapters, okay, from chapter 5 here and through chapter 12, and you will see then this whole thing unfolds as far as Moses speaking to Pharaoh and Pharaoh in turn, then, at some points, replying back to Moses and the nation of Israel. So, I want us, if we would, to see some of those as they unfold. So, in Exodus chapter 8 and verse number 25, now we come to the fourth or so, fifth um, uh, judgment that God brings against the nation of, of Egypt, against the Egyptians, these miracles that God was. Performing for his people, for the deliverance of his people. And so in Exodus chapter 8, if you would, and then in verse number 25, the Bible says this. Uh, again, this whole swarm of flies and everything. Uh, and, and then in verse number 25, it says, And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron, and he said, Get ye sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not meet so to do, For we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and will they not stone us? Verse 27, we will go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to to the Lord our God, So uh, so shall he command us. Now, I wouldn't have thought much about this overall, and hopefully as this unfolds, you'll see some of the pattern of this also, but as you read forward, there is a pattern that progresses here. So what happens is, is that Moses has gone before Pharaoh each time because ...of the different miracles that God is performing against the Egyptians. Uh, Pharaoh's heart is hardened, and in Pharaoh's heart he digs in... ...and Pharaoh says, no way and uh, I'm not going to let God's people go uh, as he digs in. Now this is the first concession, if you would, that Pharaoh gives. But it's not really a concession of gratitude because God asked for a very high calling. So what's happening then is that Pharaoh was in essence then asking for Moses and the people to make a compromise. Now, you can fill this out as you go along. And here's what they basically say. Pharaoh says to, uh, to um, Moses, for all the children of Israel, I want for you to, and obviously I'm making a spiritual application here, I want for you, in essence, to stay worldly. Here's the idea that he said. You're the people of God. You're a believer now. That's great, but what I want you to do is I want you to serve God like you said, but I want you to serve God in Egypt. I want for you to serve God staying right where you are. Here's the idea of this, and that is that I want for you, you say you believed on Jesus, you say you prayed a prayer, you say that God is your savior, okay, that's great. And here's ultimately what the devil is asking for those group of people, he said, I want you to stay right where you are. I want you to live just like you're living. I want you to not change a thing even though you are a child of God. Now, I think that that has some value or some importance to it because I really believe that in these last times that we're in, there really is a great cry that comes from popular so-called Christianity. There's a great call that comes even from some Contemporary pastors, or those who would speak the, the, the speak to the congregations, and that I believe that there is some call or some draw, if you would, uh, towards very carnal or, or very uh, newborn believers that are not uh, very strong in the Lord. I believe that there's some call to them or a pattern, and that is you name the name of Jesus Christ. That's wonderful, but really nothing at all needs to change in your life. You can go to church occasionally, once here and there, uh, and you can go to the bar room, and you can go to happy hour, and you can go bar hopping, uh, and you can do whatever sinful habits it is that you're doing, you're a Christian, but God is not nearly so concerned about how you live your life, he just wants you uh, to believe in him. And there'll be statements like this that says that God is interested what's in your heart, but he doesn't care at all about how you live your life. Now, I want you to understand this very clearly, that when we are saved and born again, God calls us to a lifestyle that is very different than the world. He wants us to grow in a grace and a knowledge of Him. He wants us to be conforming to the image of Jesus Christ as we go forward. Now, the Bible does say that that man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And I understand that. What that verse is not saying is, it doesn't matter in any way how you live. Because I want to say, if for no other reason in the world, as a born-again believer, our life is to be a testimony for Jesus Christ to all of the unsaved people that are around us. Because men can't see your heart. They don't know whether you're saved or not. All they can see is how you live your life. Is there something that's different about you? And so the first call here that I would say was the first call for compromise, and that is that the Pharaoh or the devil says to the people of God, uh, if you want to be a believer, you can, but I want you to stay right in Egypt. I want you to live your life just exactly like you did before you were saved or before you had some religious experience in your life. That's number one. Now, let's look if we would at number two. And I want us to see this. So, we're right here in chapter number eight. And it goes on, actually, in the very next verse. Because what happened was, is that Pharaoh said, serve God, worship God, right here in Egypt. And Moses answers back and says, of course, we cannot do that. So, then it comes in verse number 28 now. So, Exodus 8 and verse number 28. And it says, and Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, and then here's what he says, only you shall not go very far away. And then he says, entreat for me, or ask God to uh, take away this plague and to be good to me. And so the first one was just stay exactly where you are, exactly where you are, doing exactly what you're doing, uh, and that will be just perfectly fine. That would have been pleasing to the devil... The problem is it wouldn't have been pleasing to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we'd ask the question, who is it we're trying to please, right? Who is it that we would want to please? Moses knew that he had to please God and not to please pharaoh that was not his mission or his objection now the next one is this and you'll see that written down and that is that you're a believer you believed in jesus christ uh you can go out and you can live the christian life and you can be conformed to the image of jesus christ but make sure that you don't go very far and here's the idea of this and that is that there is for many different believers for some that have just gotten saved And for some of us in this room, you have not been saved for very long. Some within one year that you've been saved. Others have been saved more recently. Specifically, you've been saved from some type of a religious background. So as I preach this morning, you know this better than I do, and that is as you get saved and start to grow in the Lord, not everyone in your life approves of your new direction in life. Many family get after you. Many family mock you and they ridicule you. And they try to slow you down. And they try to, in essence, if you would, grab a hold of you and try to hold you back from this Christian life. And what, in essence, they're saying to you is, don't get fanatical about this Christianity. You want to be saved. You want to believe in Jesus. You want to tell some other people that you're saved. That's fine. Now, most people that have a religion go to church occasionally, amen? There are always those that we joke about and we say they're CEOs, they go to church at Christmas and Easter only, right? And so they're pretty proud of that and they're a CEO and they don't get fanatical about their religion they don't let their religion control them or take over and so many times there are family members who will ridicule us and say listen don't get crazy with this thing don't get fanatical with this Christian life Uh, you don't have to live that way that's not a good thing for you it's not a healthy thing not every friend likes it when someone gets saved and starts to grow in the Lord because their desires are And their entertainment and the things that they want to do start to change. And so sometimes friends will come after you. They'll say things about it. And they don't want you to change in this Christian, to become more and more of a Christian. And basically, again, what they'll say to you is, let's not become fanatical about this thing. And I want you to understand that just because a family member, a loved one, a friend, or someone that you really care about is really genuinely trying to hold you back in the Christian life. You have to make a decision. I have to make a decision, much like Moses did, and that is, who is it that I'm trying to please? Am I trying to please Pharaoh? Am I trying to yield to what Pharaoh's desires are? After all, Pharaoh's a really important person. Or am I in this pilgrim's journey because i want to please the lord jesus christ and that really makes all the difference in the world right what is it you want to do what are you trying to do i want to try to please the lord jesus christ now this is interesting i thought of this but as you go to chapter number nine just to further strengthen this if you would i've seen this as a pastor again and again and here's that i want to frame this just a little bit and we'll read these verses in in uh, exodus chapter nine that is that someone gets saved and they start to grow in the lord Often the family resists and, and friends and they try to you know, resist or hold back. But after a period of time, when someone sees that you are different and that you are serious about this thing, sometimes, sometimes they'll make some decision themselves. They may come to church with you. Uh, they may listen to you and they may pray a prayer. And not in every instance do they actually get saved. Now you are excited about the Lord and you're really growing in the Lord. They make some kind of a religious decision, but they don't go forward in the Lord. They're not as fanatical as you. They kind of get a hold of this call to compromise, if you would. And they're just not getting carried away with their Christianity in the same way that you are. Let me say, that still cannot pull you away from God. Amen? It still cannot pull you away from God. And so in Exodus chapter 9 and verse 28, it says this. It says, entreat the Lord, for it is enough, okay? Pharaoh says, listen, I've endured enough here. I want this thing to stop, okay? Uh, I'm feeling uncomfortable in this situation. So he says, entreat the Lord, for it is enough that there be no more uh, mighty uh, thunderings and hail, and I will let you go, and ye shall stay no longer. So Pharaoh at this point says, listen, the thunder and the lightning, it's crazy, destroying everything in our country, and then he says, just leave, I'm going to let you go, and I don't want you to stay here any longer. Verse number 29, and Moses said unto him, as soon as I am gone out of the city, I will spread abroad my hands unto the Lord, and the thunder shall cease, and neither shall there be any more hail, that thou mayest know how that... Um, the earth is the Lord, that you'll know that the God of heaven is the God of every one of us and of all of creation. Verse number 30. And as for thee and thy servants, this is what Moses said to Pharaoh, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord your God. So it makes an appearance here. It seems like that Pharaoh was actually going to turn and to do what God wants for him to do. But the end result was is that he didn't do that. He didn't do that, but guess what? Moses and the people of God still had an obligation to serve God and to do the right thing. Now, let's look at another one, if we would, number three. And to write this down, this one is one that I could really spend a lot of time on, and I do want to help you with this, okay? Because here's what happens for many of us. You get saved, and you start to grow in the Lord. As you get saved and start to grow in the Lord, and you're excited about serving God, and you love God, and it's just such an amazing blessing in your life but if you have kids that are of any age at all whatever that may be eight years old 12 years old 16 years old they may not always come along with you in the very same love and enthusiasm for the lord that you have and that puts you in that spot where it's kind of a bind okay and i want to encourage you that god can really really help you with this very early on uh we this family started coming. She got saved. Uh, Her younger daughter got saved. Later, her husband got saved, and her older daughter got saved also. Now, she went forward and served the Lord. Her husband got saved, but he never really got in, and he never really served the Lord. Her younger daughter served the Lord so faithfully, and she is in the ministry today. Now, the older daughter gave her all kinds of problems along the way. She did. It's honest. But here's what I want to say. Because she was faithful and because she did the right thing... Her older daughter is not in the ministry today, but is actively serving the Lord. Amen? Now listen, in the heat of all this battle, we get discouraged. In the heat of the the difficulties that come in the Christian life, we can become discouraged as we go along. But in chapter 10, in verse number 8... 9, and, uh, uh, 8, 9, 10, 11 there. And so in chapter 10, uh, it says this. I'm in the wrong place. So it says in chapter number 10 and verse number 8, And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh. And he said unto them, Go serve the Lord your God. But who, but who are they that shall go? And Moses said, We will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds, "...will we go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord." And he said to them, Pharaoh said to Moses and Aaron, "...let the Lord be so with you, as I will let you go, and your little ones look to it, for evil is before you. Not so. Go now, ye that are men, and serve the Lord, for that ye did desire." And they were driven out from before Pharaoh's presence. And so Pharaoh says to him this. He says, you cannot bring your children along with you. Mom and dad, you're saved. If you want to live for God, then you live for God. But you cannot bring your children along with you because, he says, it'll be dangerous for them. Let me help you out. It was more dangerous for them to stay in Egypt than it was for them to obey God and to go with God. Obviously, it was a right thing for them to obey the Lord. And what every one of us need to do is to get a hold of this. And Joshua made this statement, and he says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so the Bible gives to us this instruction for a father. It says to train, uh, in Proverbs, it says to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so we are supposed to bring them up, Ephesians 6 and verse number 4, that we're supposed to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Now, I want to say that there is a, a, a battle that takes place. And I know for many of our people, and I know all the way back from the start of this church forward, that there are a number of people that have struggled with this thing about how do I get my kids to serve the Lord and how do I get my kids to come along? Sometimes when your kids are young, they love everything about church. They love Sunday school, they love Awanas, they love every bit of it. It's exciting, it's wonderful, it's glorious for them. They just love church. As they get older, as a teenager, and a little bit older than that, sometimes they can rebel. Sometimes they can start dragging their feet. And sometimes they're not nearly as excited about serving God as they were before. Now, this is a really important and a critical point for you and for your kids and for their future down the road. Now, some would say, some parents would say, well, I don't want to force my kids to go to church because then they might hate church, all right? And I always love to make a parallel passage of this, okay? Make a parallel to some point of argument to parallel that. And so here's what I would say to you. I'm not going to force my children to brush their teeth because when they get old, they'll hate brushing their teeth, Right? I'm not going to force my child to take a bath or a shower because when they're old, they're going to hate taking a bath or a shower. But listen, you know as well as I do that there are some things that are just the right things to do. Amen? I'm glad when my kids take a bath every once in a while. Amen? They play outside. They sweat. They get so stinky. And I'm just glad for them to do that. I think it's good for them. I think it's better for me. Amen? And so I just think that they should do that. It's just the right thing to do. All right, and let me help you with this. If those things are any bit important at all, let me tell you something that's more important that is for them to be in church under the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. They need to be growing in the Lord. You say, I can't force them to do it. Let me help you out. Lead them to do it, lead them to do it, lead them by example, give them a clear example as you go forward, and lead them to do the right thing. The angel said, About uh, uh, Abraham, when they were going to go down to destroy Sodom, they said of Abraham, I know him, that he will command his children and his household after them, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. And so, Abraham then was a committed, committed believer, and he led his children forward to serve the Lord and they turned out again to love God and do the right thing. So listen, you need to lead them. Listen to me, number two, never give up, never give up, never give up on them that they will serve the Lord. What happens so often is that parents, they get this pushback and they get this pushback and they get this pushback, and at some point they get tired of it, and truthfully, they just take their hand off the wheel. They just take their hand off the wheel. All right, I'm not going to fight you anymore. Listen to me now. It is too important to give up on it. Do you realize? Listen to me now. Pharaoh's a picture of the devil. Listen to me now. Do you realize the devil wants your children? He does. And there are so many temptations in this world, through smartphones, through entertainment, through video games that have filth on them also, and through through, um, uh, uh, apps that are on their smartphones and all of that. There are so many temptations and so much filth in this world. And do not, do not underestimate this thing. The devil wants your children. If he can't get you, he wants your children, because he wants to stop the next generation from living for God. So one of the most important things that we do as a Christian is to train our children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, to lead them in that direction to serve God. We have that obligation. Now, I want to say also then that there is this, which is so interesting, and that is this call, if you would, to stay attached, to stay attached to the world. I think that I didn't update that verse, but it's in chapter 10 and then in verse number 24. I didn't update that verse, but in chapter 10 and then in verse number 24, it says this. It says, and Pharaoh called Moses and said, go ye, serve the Lord, only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Stay here. Your little ones, they can go with you. So now he changed his mind, right? And he's called to a compromise, and he said, Moses said, we must go, uh, we, uh, thou must give us uh, also sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not a hoof be left behind, for therefore must we serve the Lord our God, for we know not what we must serve the Lord with until we come hither. And so, uh, here's what Moses said. Listen, we're going to take it, and we're going to take all of it there. If I'm saved and a child of God, then everyone that I have in my household and all the possessions that I have, listen to me, are the Lord's. Here's what God knows. God knows that where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. And here's what, here's what God knows and teaches us, but the devil knows this too. And that is that wherever our heart is, our body will ultimately follow. Listen to me now. If our heart is in church serving God, our body will follow. But if we are in church and our heart is in the world, it is only a matter of time until our body follows and goes into the world. There does not have to be a distinction or a difference between, listen to me now, our Christian life and our business life. God will lead and guide us in our business, and whatever we make in our business is a blessing from God, and it is in turn to honor God. Part of it, of course, to give to him, but also to help to supply needs in every area of our life. And here's what the devil knew. The devil knew if I can part between them and their treasures, it is only a matter of time until they will return for their treasures again. They'll come back again. And sometimes we're a Christian, we're saved, but all of these things that we love are all attaching us to the world in essence, are actually drawing us away from God. Hobbies are a wonderful thing. Diversions in the Christian life is a wonderful thing. To be able to come apart and just to rest and to have that period of time, that's a wonderful thing. But some of us turn hobbies into obsessions. It's what we think about, it's what controls us, and we just turn it into an obsession, and it's only a matter of time before it... ...pulls us away from the Lord. In Romans 8, verse 5, 6, and 7, it says... ...for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh... ...but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit... ...for to be carnally minded, to be worldly minded... ...to have our hobbies turn into our obsessions... ...to be carnally minded is death... ...but to be spiritually minded is life and peace... ...because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God neither indeed can be. And so here's what God is saying to us is that carnal mind causes us then to be an enemy against God. Now I love this and you love this also. And I forgot to change the verse again. Man, we're doing great here. So here's, you'll see it in the bulletin also, but here in chapter 12 and in verse number 31. Chapter 12 and verse number 31. And he called for Moses after the death of all of the firstborn. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night. And he said, rise up and get you forth from among the people, both you and the children of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. Also, take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone And bless me also. Now the children of Israel were actually thrust out. Here's the part that I want you to understand real quickly. There is victory in the end if we will just stay committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Galatians 6 and verse number 9 says, Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. If we go forward through... Uh, the rejection of friends and family and the mockery sometimes of them laughing at us and and ridiculing us. If we keep on going forward through uh, relationships and somebody who starts to live for the Lord, but then turns back again, if we'll just keep going forward, if we'll go forward through... Any of the difficulties in raising our children and by faith continue to stand and keep raising them for the glory of God. If we'll go through, if we'll go forward and just yield even our treasures over to the Lord because we want every part of our life to be pleasing to God. Listen to me now. There is victory on the other side. Amen. There is victory on the other side. There's a peace that can come, an assurance that can come if you just keep living for God. Here's what I want to promise you. I want to promise you that there won't be a person in here who's saved and living for the Lord and stays committed and keeps on going forward, even through temptations and difficult times. There's not a person in this room that if you do that, you will not come to the end of your life and say, I have all these regrets and I wish that I hadn't lived for God. I wish that I hadn't raised my children for God. I wish that I hadn't dedicated my business and my treasures of life unto God. I wish I hadn't done that. But I want to promise you this. I've done many uh, preaching in the nursing home, and I've dealt with many, many elderly people, older uh, people that have come to the end of their life. And here's what I have figured out. There are many of them that are there that have lots of regrets. But the regrets are because they didn't live for God, not because they ...did live for God. and So you just stay faithful. You just stay faithful. And, God, and the Pharaoh thrust them out. Get out of here. The people loaded them up with golden treasures... ...which was their back pay plus interest. Amen? <laughs> God just loaded them all up. And they left out of there. And a victory, shouting the victory and praising God. Listen to me now. They were shouting the victory and praising God... ...because they did not yield... ...to the call to compromise... They just said, we're not going to do that. We're, we're not going to give in to a call to compromise. We're not going to do it. We're just going to stay strong. And we're just going to keep on serving God. And we're just going to keep on living for God. Sometimes, and I know this is going to sound really bad, but sometimes when the, our kids were just kind of pushing back a little bit on different things about the Christian life, and just literally, the, the, the plan here is, is to try to make you miserable so that you'll throw up your hands and give up. Now, I meant this, and it sounds really bad when I say this, but I meant this in a good way. But I tell them, I look right at them, look them in the eyeballs and say, I can out-miserable you. Yes. Listen, I'm the parent, and I am not giving in. I am not giving in to all these manipulations. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord.
2: Hi, this is Brent Time. And before we go, I want to say thank you for listening to this podcast. It is our prayer that today's message has encouraged and helped you. If you have any questions about how to be saved or your Christian walk, we would love to connect with you. Please visit us at gospellightbaptist.org. If you live in the greater Albuquerque area and don't have a church home, we hope that you'll visit with us soon at Gospel Light Baptist Church in Rio Rancho. And if you do have a church home, then I pray that you are able to attend there. Every person needs to be faithful and accountable in a local church where they can grow and serve. This podcast is a supplement to your spiritual growth and let it encourage you to be more for Christ. Again, our website is Gospel Light Baptist. Thank you for listening, and have a great week.
0: Thank you for tuning in today. If you are listening for the first time, we believe the most important decision you could ever make is the decision to know Jesus in a personal way. To find out more about that, please visit gospellightbaptist.org Jesus. If you are a regular listener, we want to thank you for your time and we would ask that you subscribe to this podcast and also take a moment to share it with others on social media. Until next time, may God richly bless you.